Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of inews.co.uk and the iNewspaper. It's day one of the US Open and we're here to look back at a dramatic Monday. Seeds falling galore. Djokovic and Shronte winning with ease. No surprises there. Uh, and I've got George Belshaw here to look back at everything that happened uh, overnight in New York. We're recording this in the interests of uh, full disclosure on Tuesday evening. Uh, so we are slightly behind the game, but I'm hoping to catch up tomorrow with Calvin, who is, of course, out in New York. And uh, I hope watching Murray currently try and chop up Corentin Mute along with a couple of hundred thousand people who've got Sky in the UK because it is on a free Sky channel in the UK um, George, you recovered from your dramatic flight back from Malta. <laughs> yeah, it, it was far less dramatic than it could have been, I suppose. Um, <laughs> we were the last flight into Gatwick. Uh, obviously, I, I, I assume. Well, maybe most people won't have seen this because it might have been a very UK thing. But yeah. um, basically, all the air controlling networks went down in the UK. So flights just could not leave or or land in the UK, basically, um, for a lot of yesterday. I haven't really actually checked if it's all fixed Oh, it's now, still but... kind of carnage because they're all in the wrong place. So they're there and all the like the crew are in the wrong place. And it sounds pretty bad. Yeah. So I so I was coming from Malta, which is like a three-ish hour flight. So I think I was one of the last short-haul flights to kind of make it back into Gatwick. So there would right. have been other longer-term one, longer, you know, longer-haul ones that set off from the US or wherever. But... Um, yeah, it just meant we landed and then didn't really know what was going on, parked nowhere near the airport, and then they had to kind of drive us around after about half an hour and were saying, oh, yeah, there's no space here because no um, no planes can take off. And then got into arrivals. It was an absolute like, dead dead town, just no one there, completely empty, <laughs> feeling pretty smug, just flying through it all, and then get to departures and see all these people like hanging oh, off every oh orifice. <laughs> Smugly walking past them out of there, so yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, that's uh, the important thing to remember, George. Could always be better, and it could always be worse. Uh, I, I was going to say something mean. You could be listening to a different podcast, but there are other podcasts out there, and some of them are really good. But this one is Tennis Unfiltered. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Have we got a policy for our head banging to that theme tune yet? I'm no, not sure my I've policy usually, George, as YouTube viewers will know, is just to stick the uh, the, cre- the kind of opening credits over our faces so that you can't oh, see us good. messing around. Yeah, but oh right, so I can't actually do whatever I want in that section. Well, right? you... <laughs> yeah, within reason. Well, what I have kind <laughs> of considered doing is like creating a sort of 80s sitcom style, like you know, da 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 da. 
da. It was like a beach <laughs> with our with our names kind of like flashing. Yeah, on the exactly. Street, like a kapow. Yeah. That would be quite James cool. Gray, George Belshaw, and Calvin Beton because he's the big name. Yeah, he is definitely our like kind of and permanently yeah. guest starring. And we're very <laughs> pleased to have him. Sort of figure. Yeah, with with Calvin Beton, something like that. <laughs> Or, but, uh, or without today. Well, yeah, exactly. But that—that that is kind of, as people know, that is the the nature of the beast. Of sometimes it's me because I'm traveling. I'm not traveling this time because of um, wedding commitments elsewhere. Uh, but I am still going to be traveling because I'm going to Scotland on Thursday for said wedding. So I shall be uh, trying to do one of these from a castle somewhere in East Lothian in a couple of days. So we'll see Oof. how that goes. And then Typically next week I'm going to be doing I'm it. Sure. <laughs> so next week I'm going to be doing it from an apartment in Paris. So. Um, it'll still be glamorous. I'll tell you what I learned today, George. The Rugby World Cup Media Centre is at Roland Garros. So I'm oh. still going to get another dose of Grand Slam tennis this year, but it'll just be in a very... I'm really intrigued to see what Roland Garros looks like in like August. It's it's quite weird. I assume it That's... looks the same. It's not like yeah, Wimbledon. I guess that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because the stadium's pretty nearby, isn't it? It's like, well, it's no, because it's Stade it. de France, which is up in Saint-Denis. They're not using Parc de Prince, which is the one right opposite... Ah. Roland Garros, but um, it's a really big media room. Like they've revamped it probably since I think since you last went. Definitely since I've been there. Yeah. Um, So it's really big, and it it makes sense to be down there. Um, I don't think it'll be anywhere near full because not everyone will be in Paris by any stretch. But anyway, that's the nature of my job these days: running around covering all sorts of things, uh, and occasionally not tennis. But this time it is tennis, and for the next thirty minutes or so, it will be tennis. Uh, I think we're going to start with some congratulations to Calvin George because. He successfully predicted the uh, opening shock. <laughs> I think it had already happened by the time we recorded our pre-tournament podcast, which is Holger Rune losing to uh, Roberto Carbaez Baina, 6-3-4-6, I don't I don't think we're going to talk about tennis very much here, George, because we're mostly going to talk about uh, what Holger Rune said afterwards, uh, which was specifically about court five. Now, I think it's important to note that Holger Rune wasn't blaming the fact that he was on court five for the defeat. But given that he wasn't blaming it, he <laughs> did talk about it an awful lot. Um, just to give you a kind of pricey, he said it's not difficult playing there, but it's different. You're more close to people. It's a nice atmosphere. So, I mean, no problem with the court. I just didn't expect to play there. I feel like it's normal as in as best you get in the ranking. I mean, he's the number four seed. It's more like, you know, how you say benefits you should get with playing in better conditions. So that's a normal way. It's also how ATP, it's how they do it with all their players, but they didn't do it with me. That's obviously disappointing. Not going to blame the court on the loss. Uh, he played very solid credit to him. Uh, and yeah, he, he, he had done a tweet with the map of it and sort of, you know, a bit of side eye at that. I mean... <laughs> George is not the thing is you can have a whinge as long as you win <laughs> yeah um, I, I'm a bit torn on where I kind of fall on this one for him really I, I kind of feel like he's not a big enough name yet to really command definitely having a, a top show court but but he is the number four but he seed. is the I number mean, four seed and, the, and there's not really I don't, I don't know I can't really remember the other men playing that though. there was Novak wasn't there and Sissipas Rajnich was, was a good match potentially to be on a higher court, but and there was Goff as well. Like you know, you have to think about the fact that there are a lot of Americans in both draws, and that's yeah. always going to get bigger billing on bigger courts. Um, I... He's not been that far in many slams, has he? Really? So I don't feel like people, as we've spoken about before, the eighty percent who aren't watching it all year round will never necessarily be that familiar with him. Um, so I guess that's kind of fair from a scheduler perspective. I, I suppose. So. I mean, I, I like I said, like I think it, it's a bit. It's not great to turn up and be like, look, I, and you know, he gets asked questions about it, and like I think what he, if he learns anything from this, um, it is that you know, if you get asked that question and you really mean it, and you mean, look, I don't want to complain about this, then just say it's nothing to do with the court. He played really well. And, and just give that flat back, like the because re- if you start talking about it, like we as journalists will go, oh, he wants to talk about this. Like we're going to keep asking him questions about it and keep, you know, and keep following up on things that he says and, and really expand upon it. If you just give that really, really nothing answer, it's very hard as a journalist to then go, oh, can I ask you that again? And, and you can <laughs> shoot me down as well. <laughs> yeah, um, and probably don't tweet 
sarcastically about where you play <laughs> for a match is also good advice. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, he, he's not been in great form, has he? So I guess the result's not an amazing surprise. But I do think we should give a bit of a shout out to poor Caballes Baena, who's had a year of dreadful Grand Slam draws. That it's nice for him to kind of come through what I think it was Djokovic, Sissipas, Runo, we lost to at Wimbledon and then wins the rematch. I mean, that, that's that's pretty rough by anyone's standards. Um, and now he's got it. Aslan Karatsev, who absolutely battered uh, Yuri Lehechka. I told I mean, you, that's why I was put off Lehechka. You never know what you're going to get with Karatsev, who's, you know, yeah. it's a bit of a nightmare. Indeed. From a fantasy perspective. We all know <laughs> if you didn't pick him a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not talk about that. And also, we've changed the scoring system since. True. To, uh, we've, we've introduced Anti- the Karatsev. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we had to nerf Karatsev because he was too powerful. I think it was Calvin who was particularly cross about it. Yeah, so. well, oh, really. We need, need to keep him happy, don't we? Yeah, well, <laughs> that is basically our only job. Uh, yes. I don't think he's entered the last few fantasies. We need to start calling him out. It's because it's the thing public, is, when though. he's actually got players in I kind of sympathize it's like <laughs> the, the three days between the draw and the main draw starting uh, are literally like his busiest days of the year so I, right. I do forgive him but I, I reckon, think maybe I can spend 20 minutes at night well I think what we should do is like as a prize the winner of a grand slam their prize is they get to pick a team with Calvin the <laughs> next time around I don't know if that's a prize or that should be a wooden spoon I'm not sure so they have to do like a call with him, be like, "Oh, I thought about doing this person." Then they can't be like, "No, that's a maybe, stupid idea. You're an idiot." He's awful. Maybe if we, if we if he can't find the time, we could introduce as a prize whoever wins fantasy tennis at each slam can then pick a team for Calvin at the next one and kind of <laughs> give him public humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that like whenever Calvin's not here, we're just like, "How can we ruin his life?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, let's move on to one of your favourite topics, George. It's Dominic Team, uh, a win against Alexander Bublik, his first Grand Slam victory in two years. It was his last mat, his, la- his first match at the U.S. Open since he won it. Um, he the last two times he had uh, won in five sets and lost uh, three of the last four against top twenty players. Uh, I, George, I would love to tell you that this is a turning point for Dominic Team. <laughs> But Alexander Bublik is not not the guy. No, um, yeah, I mean, as, as we'll come on to, he's also just not really covered himself in much glory in, in that match as a whole, uh, with some comments. But you know, you, you've just got to feel a bit happy for team, don't you? I mean, he's, he's had such a horrendous time with injury. He's had some quite bad draws, really, as well. I mean, he came so close against Sissipas. Pass. Um, I think he lost to Rublev in one of the last few. I think three of his last four slam defeats have been to top 20 players, which kind of surprised me in some ways. Um, like, I kind of just thought he was slumping to... I think it was Pedro Cagini lost to at the French Open um, mm. in five sets again. And I kind of kind of felt like most of his slam losses had been more like that. Like, just players he maybe, you know, he wouldn't have lost to before, whereas some of them have been a bit, okay, actually, they're not, they're not bad players. Um, mm. Even if team at his pomp would probably probably roll them so yeah I, I, I'm very happy for him he's a nice guy and he's not had the best of luck has he and, and maybe maybe James he's going to go on a US Open win streak again and win the whole thing I mean he, he is <laughs> a big maybe <laughs> just, 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 just going to put that out there for, don't like to make bold predictions but that feels like an absolute no brainer <laughs> Um, he's got he's got Ben Shelton in the next round. I, yeah, he, he I won't come through that, will he? Kind of think that Ben Shelton's going to be getting hold of that what single-handed backhand. You'll start 30... to believe. You'll start to believe if it gets through it. No, I think thirty-five forehand. That's the problem for teams. Well, I'm just thinking thirty-five degree conditions and like a very like bouncy hard hit ball into his backhand mm-hmm. wing. I don't know. It's just um, uh, anyway. We, we must fun. talk about. All right, okay. And then he's got... Well, actually, then he's got either Karatsev or Kabayas, but, you know, crikey, it's all opening up for Dominic Team. He's going to do it. Mm-hmm. God, don't say it. <laughs> uh, I mean, what a story that would be. I mean, I know I'm, I'm kind of mostly joking, really, when I say, oh, don't talk about it, just because George would be insufferable. But from a genuine tennis perspective, like, people know who Dominic Team is. It would be a pretty good story. They might also say he's come back from a crippling injury to do this. How good is the modern era? And one of those people might be Alexander Bublik, 
who during the match um, appeared to say, I am effing sick, and he didn't say effing, of giving careers to disabled people uh, during the match against Dominic Team, He was sort of referring to the fact that uh, he's also lost to Stan Wawrinka and Gael Monfils recently, who've obviously been on injury comebacks. Now, Nick Kyrgios took the opportunity to have a go. This is low-key horrible, he said. I think some people might claim it's high-key horrible. Um, <laughs> I can't hear and don't. my Russian is not sharp enough, even though I did do it A-level, um, exactly what he said. But, but this is what people are alleging, and I've yet to see any challenge that that is not what he said. Um, it, yeah, all right, pretty bad. I mean, it's also public and like, says all sorts of nonsense and I'm not surprised. I would be surprised if this is the first time he's overstepped the line mm. in what he said. Probably and the first actually, time been picked up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just that we've noticed. Yeah, um, I think... I just don't really understand how your brain goes to these ones. goes to that sort of phrase. Like, it's just Yeah, it's weird. not nice. But then, like, you know, I remember bringing this up with Dan Evans once. I can't remember what he said. But it was some nonsense. It wasn't, a, you know, particularly offensive. It was just a bit weird. And it was about something specific. And I was trying to follow up and get a news line. And he sort of said, oh, mate, you can't bring up stuff I say on the court. I'm an absolute lunatic on the court. <laughs> and, I, and there is an element of that. But equally, there there absolutely has to be a line. It's not a very nice thing to say. And I think if Alexander Bublik has any sense, and I think probably someone around him does, he will not try and like shimmy out of it, but he will just come out and say, sorry, I was having a really bad day. It was a really stupid thing to say. I don't think that here's 10,000 pounds to a charity of someone's choice. And then just like, <laughs> we, I just always amazed when people so often offer up apologies two days later and they're like, Oh, I was actually um trying to refer to his struggles that he's had. And, and why, you know, and it's like, no, just like you, you said something in the heat of battle that was stupid and offensive. Say sorry, make amends, move on. Yeah. Not to, not to kind of minimize what he said, but it has started me thinking about what's the weirdest thing you can remember someone saying on court. I remember I mean, like Fabio Fognini threatening to bomb Wimbledon. That's right up there. Uh, I, I mean, the, the the reality is, George, it's probably something Stefanos Sitsipas said. Um, I, I Medvedev really... called the umpires a cat or something? Oh yeah, a small cat so that he small didn't say that was like, old. You know what they mean. Um, <laughs> I I think my the one that really sticks out in my memory is Stefanos Sitsipas. <laughs> Excuse me for a second. <clears throat> complaining about uh this gentleman has filled my box with his towels that, that was really special actually like i just 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 so good um I, I i don't know i don't think i have much to top that i'm sure there are better ones i mean Send some of the comments there's got to be some good ones some of the serena uh outbursts have been pretty pretty good like, not not going to lie. Uh, and then that time that she wanted a coffee on court, that was quite funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. let us know in the comments down below, because this is YouTube now, and I can point down below like I'm a YouTuber. Oh, like and subscribe. No yeah? point. This is um, yeah. Or if you're not on YouTube and you're listening to the podcast like a, an adult, um, <laughs> then, then you can... <laughs> don't, uh... no, don't kill off our new <laughs> beloved fan base, James. Come on. <laughs> Uh, then you can drop us a tweet, Unfiltered Tennis, or you can email us, uh, tennisunfiltered at gmail.com. I've had lots of emails this week. Uh, Have you? Yeah, I, well, on all sorts of different subjects. It's quite difficult because it's a grand slam week to get into them because it's like there's so many different things going on. Um, so I don't, I tell you what, George, uh, if we've got time and, and you're not too tired and you don't mind this podcast being maybe as much as 40 minutes. Yeah, um, Andy sure. Lee, who actually emailed in with a different question, he was he was a man with the uh, the umpire chair uh, question, which was very good. Yeah, which was and a great someone, question. That sparked a great discussion. There is a fancy team called Invisible Umpires Chair, which I think might be Andy, <laughs> um, but even if it's not, I really I really admire admire it. Um, and actually, Andy, I had quite forgotten because I only read out the very last bit of his uh, email. Andy, I have met. Uh, he came up to me and Calvin up in Nottingham this year 
uh, with his son Callum. Uh, they do their own podcast, rugby league podcast called oh, great. Loose Forward Pod. Um, so yeah, it was it was good, good chatting. Um, they've got their hundredth podcast coming up. Congrats, guys! That's a tremendous commitment. Um, and they, he says, I love your pod as we have very similar styles. Solidarity, solidarity Calvin, because you've got one voice of reason, one stats guy, and one grump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dare I ask how many podcasts we've done? Uh, it's about 250, incredibly. Oh, yeah. God. When did we no. start this? My mum was asking jo- me this earlier. Jo- 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 stop getting distracted. We get, uh, we're already <laughs> we're on a tangent already. We're about to tangent off it. Right. Here's Andy's other question that I didn't read out the other week. Uh, he says, if I'm looking for an overseas break, uh, what would be a fantastic event to attend as a spectator? I love the more relaxed atmosphere of proper tennis fans at Nottingham provides. One indoor and one outdoor, please. Um, well, I can tell you, I went to Antwerp last year, which is an indoor tournament in October. Uh, it's dead easy to get to because you can just get the Eurostar to Brussels and then get the train to one of the nicest train stations in the world, which is Antwerp train station. Don't stay near the train station because the area around it is the old Diamond District and it's a bit grim. Uh, but the old town in Antwerp is beautiful, great beer, great chocolate, loads of really nice what they call brown bars, is, which is like the sort of traditional belgian bars uh and it's not about tennis tournament either it's just a 250 but you know when i went it was like team corder murray draper her catch i think played as well i mean murray pulled out and draper got injured but you know it was <laughs> it was it was supposed to be good and goffin played as well of course because it's a home tournament um outdoor george you like madrid don't you madrid, madrid's the one i went to most actually outside the uk yeah i did enjoy madrid um it's a good city I think the one I would say to go to there from a, a viewing perspective would be Monte Carlo. I mean, right. There's just a fantastic view there. Super know, accessible. I, yeah. But, but, super accessible. Uh, Andy's going to be like, but, oh, great. <laughs> I was thinking for the indoor one, I didn't do this one, but people have said Rotterdam's quite a good uh, okay. indoor one. And that's so when it, that's, that's like kind of February, February, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, loads of courts there. Um, right. Which And they always get a pretty big to. start list. Like Murray's obviously won it. Vavrinka plays it. Um, played before. Yeah, Rublev plays game. it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would question with that is Rotterdam isn't the nicest place in the world. Um, mm. But, you but, know, you can just go to Amsterdam. And crucially, you can get there on the train. train. Yeah, I was yeah. say, you can do a bit of uh, train hopping around. Yeah, yeah. But fun. there you go, Andy. I hope, and, and incidentally, if you, the listeners, have got any good suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, tennisunfiltered.gmail.com if you've got good recommendations for holiday, yeah. tennis holidays. And we we do need to pencil in one that we we go to a rogue one like a new yeah. mag or something to take. Well, take George, it's got to be one tour. of the stars, hasn't it? Gustard, Bastard, Bastard. I mean, people do say that Gustard and Bastard are both really nice tournaments, mm. like genuinely. So that might be the answer. Maybe maybe we'll go on honeymoon, um, and you can come too, George. <laughs> <laughs> See how popular that would be. Uh, right, let's move on uh, to another successful prediction. Not one I take a great deal of pleasure in, but uh, as I said, he would. Felix Auger-Aliassim lost to Mackenzie McDonald in the first round. Um, I, I don't know how much more there is to add to this, George. He hasn't spoken afterwards, so we can't really get into the nitty-gritty of what may or may not be wrong with him. But I can tell you from having spoken to him this summer that it, you know he really was talking about stuff that, wasn't fixed and stuff that was going to keep bothering him um and i it just just smells like that again doesn't it like Mackenzie mcdonald is not a guy who has as much tennis talent as felix or really seem scrappy though he may be yeah i i think kind of the main reflection i'd have on this is just what a shame it is where the kind of canadian players have, have gone really like mm. shapovalov felix they it felt like they were going to be too comfortably top 10 players battling out, out later ends at the slams, possibly even winning some. Obviously, you know, they were kind of kicking around a little bit before Alcaraz was flying onto the scene. And, you know, since we've seen him, we probably think their their games are far more deficient. But they, they, they are talented players. You know, Dennis is a huge shot maker. Felix is an incredible athlete and also, you know, excellent shot maker as well. But just just has not happened for either of them. And I, I think that's a big shame for tennis because they felt to me two of the most marketable mm. players in the men's tour. Um, mm. You know, if you could have a big four of Alcaraz, Sinner and the two Canadian guys, I think, you'd be, and, and Holger Rune as the kind of bad guy, that that would be a pretty cool little generation if the tennis matched up to 
the potential kind of characters kicking yeah. around there. Um, another and kind of lump into that category as well, Sebastian Corda, who similarly uh, has a, a really fun game to watch. He's a good-looking guy. He's got a he's a great talker. He's got a great story, obviously, with his dad having been a, a Grand Slam winner. He, he's mates with Andre Agassi. His sister is like world number one golfer. Like, you know, there's so many elements to this story, except he can't bloody win a tennis match at the moment. Mm. And, and he lost to Martin Fuksovic in, in five sets, which, you know, I think probably for Corda, an absolute nightmare matchup. Yeah, I, I think Fuksovic falls similarly in the Kaya Kanepi field, really. Of yeah. Just an absolute player you do not want to see first round of a slam unless you're Novak Djokovic. Yeah. You, you know, he's not an easy draw. No. Uh, but the other kind of big bit of the draw, because that, that bit of the draw was already quite open and is now even more open uh, for Francis TFO, uh, who made it through in the straight sets, as we mentioned yesterday. Casper uh, Rudin, incidentally, also won and had a big, took a big chunk out of social media again. So I'm I'm very pro that. Um, <laughs> When's he coming for our podcast? We need to start saying nice George, things I don't him. necessarily want him to listen to our podcast. <laughs> I don't think that'll be good for him. It won't be good for us. Like, no, don't need that. Um, Taylor Fritz's draw is wide open mm. because he came through Steve Johnson for lost just five games, as we all expected that he would. Um, but Lorenzo Mazzetti lost to, and I, I think this is the first time I'm ever going to say the name, Tituan Drogi, uh, who he should is... be my famous favorite tennis player, shouldn't he? Yeah, he the should because you are the drog. You could both be the drog. Um, he is 22 years old. He is French. He is from a place called Villeneuve Saint Georges in the southern suburbs of Paris. He's playing in the main draw of a Grand Slam for the very first time, and that is just about everything I can tell you about him. Uh, he's won. Two challenger titles in doubles and far three in f- futures doubles. He's won four singles futures titles, but I'm I'm really struggling for for much more. So I mean that's a huge win for him to beat Lorenzo Mazzetti in five sets. I appreciate that Mazzetti is probably the most mercurial man on tour. Well, there's a lot of competition for that, but he's now playing another qualifier in the. Uh, second round, Jakob Menschik, who's from the Czech Republic, I believe, or Czechia, as we're supposed to call them in tennis these days, um, who I think is a junior Grand Slam runner-up quite recently, like maybe even last year at 17. So th- there's going to be a pretty rogue name coming out of that and getting on a big court, probably against Taylor Fritz. Um, it- it's all kind of set up for this fritz sits past fourth round match, which probably yeah. means one of them's going to cock it up. <laughs> I mean, Fritz will do bloody well to cock cock up this draw. I know we've, <laughs> we've spoken about he's not been able to kind of translate that tour form into the slams and there's been quite a few really disappointing losses but this this would be the cherry on the biggest cake of all time if he can't can't get through <laughs> that. Good um good for anyone in fantasy who picked a qualifier in this section though. That's a couple of rounds that you kind of nailed off. I don't know how yeah, many I, did. I'm just going to have a quick look actually and see how many people did pick the drog as I'm now definitely I can't believe I didn't pick it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually disappointed That's in you. Disgraceful. Uh, one person picked the drog. <sighs> that is incredible. Is it one of the teams that's made their name as some sort of weird attack on me? Uh, no, no. Be- I'll tell you what, it is regular player uh, and I'm going to mispronounce this and it's really, really embarrassed me. Um... Ivan Guichawa, I think, is the correct name, um, who is a regular in the... Uh, I think he's Belgian off the top of my head. He has emailed into the show before, as I seem to recall. Um, sorry, Ivan, if I've butchered your name, but that's, I, that's what we do. <laughs> Someone even commented on Twitter that I called out Eva and McEnroe for mispronouncing Djokovic and then immediately mispronounced Zachary. Um Sorry, my modern Greek isn't as good as my ancient Greek. Anyway... Uh, eight people did pick Jakob Menschik, though, so well done if you picked him. Very um, good. As I lose my life. We have a knowledgeable fan base, I always think, James. Do we? Or at least ones who are good at clicking, uh, clicking the right buttons. Filling out a Google form with due <laughs> randomness, yeah, maybe. Um, sorry, I'm just going to have to fix my light. I have a fancy light and it just went out out of nowhere. There we go. Technical issues. Lovely. I'm not even going to edit that out. I think it makes it authentic. Yeah. I've just lost my bloody women's qualifier as well, so I'm grumpy. Oh no, George, what happened? She lost to Janina Whitmire. <laughs> oh no, you picked against the lucky loser. Never do it, George. <laughs> Never do it. 
Um, yeah, Elsa Giacomo, incidentally, is a set down, but she's two love up in the uh, second set. So we still believe. Uh, right, moving on. Have we, I mean, are there any other results you want to pick out of the men's draw, George? I mean, Tsitsipas battered Reinich, which is always possible it could happen. Uh, as you say in the show notes, Djokovic cruises through, water is wet, Pope, Woods, Bears, Catholic, etc. Yeah, not yeah. much else to say there. I think just I'd probably flag TFO and Tommy Paul doing well as well. They're probably the other names who were playing yesterday that we think might do well and got off to good starts. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the results for the women's draw after this. So in uh, the first round of the women's, we did lose yet more seeds, as we almost always do. Uh, the most significant one being, I think probably everyone will agree, although I did kind of predict it, unfortunately, Maria Sakari, who lost to Rebecca Masarova. Um, she was pretty upset afterwards, Georgia. I didn't, I sort of, because I didn't see the press conference originally, and I sort of made a slightly mean joke on Twitter, which I did regret afterwards because she, she did seem very upset. And, you know, I, I suppose it is easy to feel sorry for her because she. The, I, I was going to say there's a lot of pressure on her, and there is and there isn't. Like she's what she's number eight in the world, so she's highly ranked, so she's clearly capable of winning tennis matches. But it just seems like in big moments something. I don't like to say she bottles it, but it does feel a bit like that, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, there was that French Open, wasn't there? Where was it? Yeah, Krachikova won it. Um, Match points, yeah, in the semi-final. Sakari felt in a good position to go on and win that that title there, and you know fell apart, and just hasn't really been the same since. I I, I would say. Um, well, actually, she revealed in the uh, the Netflix doc that she she actually quit tennis after that. Like she she literally quit for like four days and just mm. just went off on holiday. And then sort of started to go over and rang her coach and was like, okay, I will give this I'm overreacting. Go. <laughs> um, yeah, I, again, I mean, we, we spoke about Felix and Dennis there. I, I, there was a little period where Sisyphus and Sakari were pushing each other to be kind of the best ranked Greek player and making kind of confident noises about being the best player in the world and, you know, the, taking that next step. And it's just, Slowly petering out, really. Hmm. I don't know. Is it is it more pressure coming from a country like that, where you become such a huge star because there aren't so many other kind of massive sporting stars by comparison? Or with I, tennis I, isn't, I, think. I think to an extent, yes. Although I actually asked Maria Sakkari this actual question, George, um, last Good question. year. Well done. Yeah. Well, thanks, mate. When I interviewed her, and she basically said, "Well, the, the first thing she said was, look, I'm not.'" that big a star because basketball and football are so big in Greece and, and basketball is absolutely enormous in Greece and probably, well, in fact, it is the second sport in Greece. So that takes away a lot of kind of fame. Um, and she does say that now she kind of gets recognised in the street a little bit, but, you know, it's mostly just people saying, you know, well done or, or come on or, or good luck or whatever, and that it's not too bad. But I think probably she is putting a brave face on that and I think the Netflix doc did do quite a good job of revealing some of that anxiety and that, you know, that kind of pressure that she does feel. And yeah, of course, like, you know, I remember talking to Elena Ostapenko about it and she was like, yeah, like, it's pretty crazy when I go back to Latvia. Like, it's, you know, it's it's pretty full on. And, and that must be a real change of pace as well. If you go around the world, you know, your, your whole life, you know, eight, nine months of the year, and then you go back and all of a sudden it's like that. I, I think... Because you're almost not used to it, and so you mm. kind of have to get used to it every time you go home. I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure of the answer, and I'm not quite sure that Maria gave me a truthful answer, to be honest. But um, yeah. I yeah. guess, yeah, I mean, maybe like thinking of kind of bigger countries. You know, is there that much pressure on a, a Francis TFO compared to a Stefanos Sissipas? You know, does the American audience care so much? But then. Mm. It's a Grand Slam nation, so there's actually much more intense spotlight on you in in those moments as well. So, swings mm. and roundabouts, perhaps. Yeah, um, yeah. It's sort of same story with Caroline Garcia, I would suggest, who lost four and one to um, mm. Wang Yifan, the qualifier. Um, and it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? She doesn't come from a small country, but there is a lot of pressure on her, and there has been a lot of pressure on her that she, you know, the French Open. She talked about it quite openly that it was it was too much. 
Um, and as a kid, you know, she was a superstar as a youngster. And that was a lot to get through as well. It, um, it's funny with these players, though, isn't it? Because it, I, I kind of see both of them as relatively, I mean, relatively similar. Because I, I know Garcia was a much more highly touted prospect. But I suppose they had that period of both kicking around twenties and thirties in the world, and both felt like they were getting over that mental side of things and having an elongated period of success high up in the game. I mean, particularly Garcia. I mean, it really felt like she was someone who'd turned her career back around and mm. suddenly jumped off a cliff again. Um, yeah. It's crazy, really. Tough sport, this. Tough sport. Yeah, it's hard work. Um, I'll just quickly run you through the other women's seeds we lost yesterday. Angelina Kalanina, not a massive shock there, losing to Sarah Cerebes Tormo, who's one of the better unseeded players kicking around. Um, same could be said of Elisabetta Cocciretto. Um, and Kaya Yuvan, not not the biggest kind of threat, uh, surprise in the world. But um, Veronica Kudamatova maybe a little bit of a surprise. Uh, she lost in straight sets to Bernarda Pera, who's not someone I've always associated with big results at Grand Slams. But well, she was um, Joanna Conta's biggest rival for a while. They just kept playing each other in, uh, <laughs> in tournaments and took her out. So I, um, I remember her quite well from those days. I see. Okay. Well, maybe I shouldn't be that shocked because Kumite has barely won a match since the grass, but I don't know. Just just stuck out to me a little bit. Um, things to talk about on the women's side. I think we should talk about uh, the new greatest shithouse, George, uh, Laura Ziegmund. I mean, I know it's not new, but good for her to get a chance to really shithouse her way through a match on the on the global stage um, against Coco Goff. Took a set off her, uh, but then lost in three on, to open Arthur Ashe had all sorts of fights with the umpire, with the crowd. Goff had a go at the umpire saying she wasn't, the umpire wasn't doing their job. Um, she got, eventually got a point penalty, Ziegman, that is, in the third set, um, but took so many liberties, I think, that <laughs> she, she, like, I, I was pretty blown away by it, like watching it back in the morning because like, I couldn't quite stay up, but watching the sort of clips that someone had put together... Um, it was pretty spectacular. I'll let you have your say in it in a second, George, and I know you're going to enjoy a shit house. But if you want to be a shit house, I think that's absolutely fine. Like I, I think that should be allowed. But you can't be a shit house and then go into your press conference as Laura Ziegman did and say, "Look, tennis is about entertainment. I'm out there to entertain <laughs> people." Like, I'm sorry, there's nothing entertaining about you taking 45 seconds to hit a serve and getting away with it, or like. <laughs> taking medical timeouts to try and piss off Coco Goff. Like, you know, she's, she was like, oh, what did she say? She said, I know the fans out there uh, are out there so you don't give up and so that you fight and it's sport. I was like, well, kind of. But like, I think if you want to be a massive shithouse, absolutely fine, but own it. Just be like, yeah, I'm trying to win a match. What do you want me to do? I, I, she's going to beat me if she plays ten, her ten best tennis and I play mine. So let's give it a go. And the best shit houses wind the opponent up much more rather than earning themselves point penalties. I would well, yeah, suggest exactly. as well. Um, yeah, I mean, if as you say, it's, well, she says it, it, there's a degree to which these things get us talking, and it is interesting. And I think there's probably a degree to which she honestly just thinks I, I can't beat Goff if, if I don't do something out there. If I don't try and really ruffle their feathers and make this a, a scrappy street match or whatever. Um, so I, from that perspective, you know, you know me, I think they, sh they should kill to win, James. You know, I want, I want, I want um, to fight for it. Yes. What's the uh, the Neil Warnock <laughs> quote? You've got to die. To win. You've got to die to get three points. <laughs> what a documentary yeah. that is. Yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen, uh, this is, again, not to be too Brit-centric, but uh, this is a British football manager from the north of England who is um, particularly, uh, I don't even know what the word, but he doesn't mince his words, let's say that. And uh, it's definitely worth. I'll, I'll put the. There's a lovely YouTube compilation of the best yeah. clips from that documentary. It's I'll one put of it him in the versus Pep Guardiola, who probably, oh, probably yeah. more familiar with, which is a great set of like Guardiola trying to get the uh, kind of max out of his players, and then Warnock saying all these odd things to hit. So. The best one it's, is my favorite. I, we're going off a tangent again, but my favorite one is. It's like after a game they've lost and the player who's had a shock has sat in the corner and Warnock's sort of walking around, stroking his chin, just thinking what to say. And then he, he looks at me and goes, 
Danny, Danny, go and run baths, son. I'll be sick of a look at you. It's <laughs> <laughs> just priceless. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, there is no... I don't, who's the Neil Warnock of tennis? I don't really... There really is... Apostolos Sitsipas, maybe, I was thinking. <sighs> Don't know. There's no one who's done such a weird walk towards the cameras with their eyes wide. <laughs> yeah, open. the sort of bird that thing. needs to be replicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tennis needs more really eccentric coaches, I think. Um, but just to talk about tennis very briefly, if we must, uh, Coco Golf <laughs> probably not a bad thing to get pushed a little bit and be in a little, you know, get the feeling of a big crowd match as well. Like rather than just cruise through three and one, maybe just good to get that in her legs. Yeah, I think so. Um, she's obviously played some really good stuff and it's good to kind of be reminded that none of that really matters compared to this tournament. You know, coming into an event like this, a home slam for a superstar of the sport, winning 10 out of 11 matches does put a bit of pressure on you and but also creates quite a lot of belief, I imagine, as well. And she's probably feeling, I can win this tournament, whether we agree with that or not. Is yeah. one thing, but she will believe that she does have a lot of belief in herself. Um, but she, she, you do need to kind of guard against the fragility. It can all go very wrong in a in a flash in this mm. sport, and you, you've got to guard against that. So yeah, good good to get a early test. Yeah, and also um, really really sweet. She she met like uh, the Obamas afterwards, and like was just so pumped about it. Uh, she said, oh, I've met Mrs. Obama before. They told me it was just her initially. Then Mr. Obama was in the room too. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't soaked it in because I literally just walked in here. I think I'm never going to forget that moment for the rest of my life. I went from being really upset after a win to like being really happy. So glad I got to meet them. Um, yeah, and she just talked about like uh, winning ugly and, and how that really was winning ugly. Uh, I think the line I liked the most was, I think most of the time, every Grand Slam you have one bad match. I'm glad I was able to get that out of the way in the first round. I think that, might, that probably is true, isn't it? You know, every, mm. okay, like the odd Djokovic without dropping a set, you know, aside, most slam winners have one bad match where they're like, oh, and it sort of kicks you into gear. I think I always felt like I never quite believed Murray was, and actually he needs a bad set, to be honest, just to wake him up and kind of get him into it. And I think it is valuable. Yeah, I think I kind of felt that with Alcaraz at Wimbledon, but that kind of Jarry mm. match, was yeah, Jerry, yeah. whichever one we sat on. But you know, that he was lucky that didn't go into a fifth and then become a bit of a weird shootout. Um, and I do think that sort of kicks him into kicks him into gear there. So who knows? She'll need to play a, not, a lot better to beat Sviontek, though. That's certainly uh, worth keeping in your minds if they are to meet in the course of finals. I mean, she might have to play quite a lot better to beat Mira Andreva, to be fair, because yeah, she's playing yeah. her in the second round. Although she also uh, went a set down in her match to Olivia Gidecki. Um, I guess that's, I often think that's the trouble with playing a qualifier. Like, you can just get caught cold. Like, they've played three matches, especially at the US Open, where they play on pretty much all the courts except Ash in qualifying. So, like, they're very used to the conditions and they're pretty similar at the US Open as well. Like, yeah. Ash is a little <clears> bit quicker, but that's about it, I think. Um, so I think it is sometimes you can just get get caught out. Um, incidentally, George is Nicholas Jarry. I'm reliably informed with a J. Jarry. Yeah, that's exactly. where I started. Oh, we're getting better, aren't we? Sorry, sorry, Lynn. I know we're not perfect, but we do, we do try. There are a lot of names as well. I'm not going to be funny. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of names. There's a lot of names. A lot of I'm facts. From a lot of places. <laughs> She's got to be such a, such a such a polyglot to to cover tennis these days. It's it's a nightmare. Um, right. The only other um, things to mention, uh, really, I suppose, are Beatrice Adamaya just beating Stevens. Although we actually did mention that yesterday, um, because you were talking about your fantasy choices, George. Uh, Shrontek and Rebecca made it through. Shrontek lost just one game, which is a bit sloppy from her. Um, and uh, Caroline Wozniacki got a win on her return to Grand Slam tennis. Now, I know Calvin's not a big Caroline Wozniacki story, but a <laughs> uh, fan, I should say, but it's a good story. And but I think people do kind of remember who she is and Definitely. that's valuable. And, you know, she's been to business school and she's had a bit of a gap year and obviously had two kids. Um, I think it's, you know, she said she was really nervous, which I think you can probably Pe- understand. But People know Wozniacki um, a lot. I would say, you know, people forget she was engaged to Rory McIlroy for a mm. long time. You know, that was quite a big, 
kind of celeb thing. <laughs> McElroy in, in, jumped in, in like circles. Yeah. It's the main um, thing I remember about that. <laughs> is it a basketball player she's with? He's certainly very tall. <laughs> 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 I was going to say, he's presumably well-known in the States. David Lee or something like that? This is some knowledge from you, George. I'm quite impressed by that. Uh, let me see right. if I can... It could be totally wrong. <laughs> I mean... David Lee is also the name of a solicitor in The Good Wife, so it could be totally the wrong name. Uh, David, the for- a former NBA basketball star. They got married in 2019. What's his um, surname? I'm just trying to find out, George. David Lee, you're absolutely right. Oh. Very good from you. He played for the, among others, the uh, Golden State Warriors and the New York Knicks. So covering the UK and the American sport markets there, plus she was Bezzies with Serena for a long time. Yeah. And also, I had quite forgotten um, until Mikey Hinks, who's covering the US Open for the Eye this week, um, wrote in his piece, I'd forgotten she got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Like, Mm. you know, which is not something that just goes away. Like, you have to manage it. So. Um, we should we should also probably mention she is a former Grand Slam champion and world number one as well. Well, yeah, correct. I mean, yeah, bloody hell, she was stuff. decent yeah. at tennis, but, you know, quite apart that's, from that's anything That's not else. that important, obviously, in no, the exactly. podcast. Um, she's got Petra Kvitova in the next round, George. Any chance? Yeah, there's a chance. I don't think she necessarily will win, but Kvitova could be very hot and cold, I would say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good, good test of her level um you know i suppose you'd expect her to win that first match in some ways um <clears throat> i see jen Bradley got a win as well like not to yeah, in the same jump little, into tomorrow's show but no in the same just, little bit of the same little bit of the draw yeah that's not in tomorrow's it's show, not in tomorrow's draw. i've no. just not written it in the notes apologies no you just just sloppy planning really. jen uh, but no she's in the same it could we could have was naki brady in the third round if they both Oof. both beat seeded players it would not be on the realms of possibility I mean, it would be great. Like, Wozniacki Goff in the fourth round, that would be that would be a bit of a blockbuster, I think. Or, or even yeah. Brady Goff. Although, Brady Goff good as well. I, I mean, I was always <clears> very <throat> high on Jennifer Brady, and I was right to be so, as it turned out. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, she's she's very straightforward, I think. And, and that, a bit like Jessica Pagula, like, it's always a bit hard to kind of sell that to the public. And so people don't get that excited about her. But they should. She's, she's been through a hell of a lot. Um, speaking of people who've been through a hell of a lot, Corentin Mute has the uh, has the trainer out on court, which is just like the least surprising thing ever because yeah. obviously Andy <clears throat> Murray's two sets up and making him pay in the serious heat. Um, but yes, I think that's we've probably managed to cover it, George, in a startlingly efficient forty five minutes to cover sixty four matches, or at yeah, least we've done well the important ones thereof. I'm, I'm um, happy to take one email thing if you like, James. Oh, sure, it's very bonus. generous of you. A bonus Bonus question. Who shall we go to? Uh, Shall we go to Marianne Vigda, um, who has been in touch before? And she says, before the podcast get deep into the US Open, sorry, (laughs) as you can tell, this is from deep in the mailbag. I was hoping you could answer a question for me about scoring. Is it the chair umpire that scores something as a winner or an unforced error? Or is there something else that keeps track of that? Does anyone keep track of forced errors? Just wondering if there are cut and dried definitions or if it's some of it is someone's judgment call. For example... If someone misses a second serve return, is that because the serve was so good or is that just an error on the returner? Or if there's a miss at the net, who decides it was an error or the pass attempt was just so good? Uh, thanks so much for your podcast. I love it. Hopefully you'll be number one in the US Open too. Um, and she also says, can't wait for the Open. Uh, I go most years and be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday for week one. Well, first of all, have a bloody great time because that is a Oof. tremendous set of days to go. Um, I hope the weather's not too sweltering. Um, well, what all I know about this, George, is every court has a uh, you know, someone who charts it um, <laughs> at Wimbledon. It's usually a quite hungover-looking nineteen-year-old sat in a little chair. <laughs> quite often, because they're not allowed to have their phone on them, so quite often I'd walk past them because you can you can use the alleys if you've got a press pass, like the smaller ones. And I'd quite often walk past them. They just go, "Mate, what's the Chelsea score?" <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> um, and then they'd be like, "Oh, Mister Point." So certainly on the outside courts. Um, it's more unreliable because the the forced error and the unforced error is a judgment call on them, as far as I understand it. The the winner thing, obviously, like if it's untouched, basically it's a winner, right? Like there's no, you know, if the returner falls over, it's still a winner, um, which is yeah. probably a flaw in the system as well. But um, yeah. 
I know Calvin previously said... It's definitely said, not the chair umpire, though. We can no, no, that that's out. true. They do nothing these days. They just call the score, right? Maybe maybe we should make the chair umpire do that as well. <laughs> Give them something to do from <laughs> well, their well, invisible well, chair. Well, I was going to say, we're kicking them off the court soon, so they'll have more time to get their pen and paper out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- there is a cut and dry definition of like a winner and an ace, but yeah, yeah. the forced error and unforced error is pretty... It's controversial. Is it? I think it's quite controversial when you start looking at it, what's counted as a as a forced versus an unforced mm. error. I think you can uh, seriously skew the stats if, but, you, if you're unlucky. I, I mean, Cal, I remember Calvin, not only a couple of months ago, Calvin mentioned this and he says he reckons it's pretty clear, but it's probably pretty clear to him and to someone else, you know. I, I also think it's pretty clear, but I I think there are many things I would strongly consider to be forced yeah. errors or counted as unforced errors. Oh, so you think versa. we're too harsh on? I think no. I think I think it swings both ways. If oh, you okay, fine. Um, I just sorry. I'm just getting completely distracted by Murray Muto, which is just turning into an extremely entertaining tennis match, which actually shouldn't be that surprising. And Muto's really getting into it. Um, I, I suppose I would say to you: Is it possible to hit an unforced error off when returning first serve? Yes. Okay. Harriet darts. <laughs> That's incredibly left field, like just shot across the bowels of Harriet Dart. You really don't think she deserved that. I think, yeah, but the speed's I important. Know you mean. Isn't yeah. it? You know, and where it's landing and what it's doing. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. I would say definitely. All right, very good. Well, thanks, Marianne, for your question. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. Um, and uh, yeah, keep, keep, keep them coming. Tennisunfiltered at gmail.com. We'll have Calvin tomorrow. So if you have addressed a question specifically to Calvin, as one or two of you have, then I will try and put them to him tomorrow when he gets back from practice and when I'm struggling to stay awake uh, because it's late here in the UK. Uh, and then maybe we'll have George on Thursday. We might have some Mikey Hinks. We might have, well, who knows what we'll have for the rest of the week. But um, hopefully you've enjoyed tonight. And uh, the most important thing is, apart from leaving us five-star reviews, that as everyone knows, I read out every time. So if you want to sneak a question in that way, that is the way to do it. Um, But most importantly, please do come back tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.